Razzle Dazzle. Razzle Dazzle. Now. I'm Jared Palapal. I am Dennis Bruno. And our mascot is Keaton the Kitten Man, who is over on the other side of the room. He's doing things. Yeah. He's, co- he's coming over. He was reading definitions on Wikipedia. Yes, we were trying to teach him about dance. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I was trying to teach him about dance. I was we, I was encouraging. Yes, yeah, so we saw we watched a couple starter matches, mm-hmm. one including uh Saya Kamitaya, and she was a former uh, idol. And dancer, and so we thought maybe Keaton might want to try that. Exactly. But now he, uh, now his embrace full of knowledge. Keaton, do you want to try dancing? Go ahead, dance into the microphone. <laughs> dance is a silent activity. Ah, he's <laughs> taking up from the music. The noble art of mime. Yeah, like buddy, that's good. Good little man. All right. So, yeah, um, this is a podcast where we talk about wrestling and we go deep on a show. Uh, but before that, uh, have you watched anything interesting the past, like, uh, you know, since we recorded last? Yeah. Uh, the After uh, TakeOver Portland, the WWE released its Ruthless Aggression oh, mini-doc. How, how was that? Oh, my goodness. They have a big paintbrush. <laughs> they are putting it over a lot of their history. Oh, I love it. It's uh, for those who don't know, Ruthless Aggression is the time period uh, from, like, what, let's say 2002 to 2008-ish? That's exactly what they have yeah. it as. Okay, cool. So it's, like, the rise of John Cena, um, the rise of Batista, the end or the beginning of the WWF becoming the WWE. Yep. Uh, also, uh, the unti- Chris Benoit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the untimely passing of Redacted. Yeah. Who... The, un- the, the truly tragic sad death of Eddie Guerrero. Yeah. Yes, the yeah, the sad death of Eddie Guerrero and the uh, happy moment where Eddie Guerrero uh, celebrated in the ring at WrestleMania 20 after nobody won the main event. No one else. Triple <laughs> H and Shawn Michaels got Arby's. <laughs> they went to the ring and they said, this is good enough. <laughs> <laughs> We're here. We're friends. Let's get burgers. <laughs> nobody gets the WWE title because the fans deserve the title. That's right. They gave 20,000 people in Madison Square Garden a coupon <laughs> for a free title belt. <laughs> Which is not nothing. Those title belts <laughs> are very expensive. It's true. They're probably, I mean, we all know that the plan was that they expected nobody to cash in on those <laughs> coupons. But then too many people cashed cashed in, and it, it hurt the company's bottom line for a few years. Boom! Ruthless aggression era. <laughs> we recapped it. Our, I think our telling is probably more accurate than what WWE's gonna uh, produce in this documentary. Honestly, so I was watching TakeOver uh, again last night. I watched it Sunday, I loved it. Yep. And then I watched it again yesterday, and then I saw that pop up. I was like, alright, I'll check it out. Yeah. Um, the Monday Night War documentary series, I was like, this is not so great. Yeah. But Ruthless Aggression, I was like, okay, it's not so recent history, or, or actually, no, it's fairly recent history is what I mean to say. Yeah. And I was thinking, so what what footage can you show me that I haven't seen? What matches mm-hmm. or, like, personalities can they really highlight? Basically spent the first 45 minutes, the first 10 minutes even, recapping the Monday Night War, and I was like, you won! <laughs> I know! <laughs> you won't let anyone forget! It's important information! Oh, <laughs> and but then like the next 20, 25 minutes was a lot of like apolo not sort of apolo not oh, it was this like indirect apology because like the invasion didn't really work and they acknowledge yeah. it yeah but they don't really take like full responsibility for it 
but it all like it gets to some interesting tidbits here and there but this is the first time I've ever watched a WWE documentary and laughed out loud. Yeah. It gets to the point where they talk about changing from the WWF mm. to the WWE. Yeah. And it comes out of nowhere because they're talking about how Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock, one's going to Hollywood, one quit. Mm -hmm. They don't have a top star. They need to... They're, they're in flux, as Vince McMahon is quoted as saying. Yeah. He's like, they frame it as, I have a brilliant idea. <laughs> And then they start showing the vignettes where, like, there's the WWF logo in a barber shop, getting yeah. the F trimmed off, yeah. getting the getting the F out. Yeah. They say that losing their lawsuit to the World Wildlife Foundation <laughs> was their idea, and they rebranded to get people to start watching again. It's like doing the job. <laughs> you, just, oh! you just lie down, and then you lose, and then you come back, and it's like, wow, I'm humble now. Unreal. They don't mention the lawsuit. No. They just basically say, like, we know what casual fans really want to see. Yeah. A logo change. Yeah, that's so funny. Oh! <laughs> I mean, that's, like, that's the most benign thing that they could, like, talk about in that time period. Yeah. Um, because, I mean, that's, like, you know, no one blames them. And it worked out well in the end. Uh, but then, like, that same era is, like, we talked about. It's the it's where Chris Benoit uh, rose to prominence. Uh, it's where the women were, like, probably at their lowest yeah. in terms of booking. Yep. Uh, so, it, it, I feel like this is gonna be an interesting documentary to, to follow, but, you know, we'll see. Yeah. It's supposed to be five parts. The first one was just kind of, it, it jumps all over the place in terms of its timeline, yeah. but... I think the second one's up, and I heard it's about, like, the rise of John Cena. Yes, it is. I watched that one, too. Oh, cool. And, um... What I was hoping that they would get into more, at least acknowledge, was that part of why I feel like, as a main eventer, he struggled so much was that they kept putting him up against, like, talents who hadn't really had a chance to have a main event spot in a bit. Mm -hmm. So Kurt Angle, Chris Jericho, Christian, they don't even, they don't bother. Yeah. They're just like, it was seen as ruthless aggression, and then he rapped, and then he made the bold choice not to rap. <laughs> oh, he didn't lose a, a lawsuit to the World Rapping Fund? <laughs> <laughs> no, he put them in an STF, <laughs> and then they got the U out. <laughs> oh man, yeah. So that's what uh, WWE's been up to. Mm. Uh, not much happening in the main roster, really. That yeah, they're happy. They're on their way to Saudi Arabia. Yeah, baby. Wow. Um, yeah, no. I watched uh, Godzilla vs Mothra, or sorry, Mothra vs Godzilla is the title of the movie, which is not wrestling, but it's kind of wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> Kaiju's baby. I didn't really. I watched some stardom that was like good, and we watched a couple matches before. Yep. Uh, technically, we watched like twenty matches before. Yeah. <laughs> this one. Uh, but yeah, if you haven't seen God Mothra vs Godzilla, it is one of the better Godzilla movies. Thank you for downloading or listening to your wrestling content. <laughs> Go watch monster movies. They're like wrestling, mm. except weirder. There's there's twin fairies. There's a giant egg. Godzilla, you know, does the job to two caterpillars. It's pretty crazy. That is pretty crazy. It's a pretty, it's a pretty wild movie. It's one of my favorite Godzilla movies. But out of the stardom matches, we watched uh, Sa uh, Saya Kamitaya. I should really look that up. Mm. She's one of the rookies facing uh, Utami uh, for the uh, future of stardom title, which was a fun match, I think. Yeah, very much yeah, so. Yeah, it was your first time watching both of them, I think. 
I've, I've seen Utami once or yeah. twice. I watched yeah. her against Teresa, and right. um, it was definitely my first time seeing Saya. Yeah. And I'm glad that you like uh, described her as like a former idol, former singer, because you can see a lot of the showmanship yeah. of being a former pop star or aspiring one. Right. And I think she'll get it. I think yeah. it's an interesting hook. Yeah, she loses the match, but then gets to join Queen's Quest, which I think is what you want. Yeah. Because she's like, she's got like cool moves, but doesn't really put them together very well. So like, eventually, you know, you, you hammer that down, you get her out of these like frilly, you know, pastel outfits and into something a little bit more serious, and then she'll be like a contender. An animal print and an animal mask. Hi, Keaton. Well, we brought up animals, and now Keaton is on the table. Yes. He is licking the table. That is weird. It's the biggest, uh, or at least most overt, showing of any kind of pride for the Stardom Factions. Uh, Keaton's about Queen Quest, folks. Yeah, that's it. Okay, good. Okay, buddy, very serious. That's what you are. Um, <laughs> and we watched the Kigetsu Retirement Gauntlet. Which was very fun. Yes, very fun. If you haven't uh, watched one of the uh, these retirement gauntlets they sometimes do in Japanese promotions, uh, basically, it's uh, an un... They, they advertise it as an un- unknown number of opponents, uh, each having a one-minute match with the person who's retiring. So they got to, we got to watch some comedy things. They got to get, watch Kagetsu gets fucking exhausted for like 20, 30 minutes. She got kicked. She got slammed. She got thrown into corners. She, she had. She learned how to do the Death Yama taunts yeah! for a full minute. That was delightful. Yeah. She got put in submissions. She got pile-driven. So much fun. She beat most of the rookies, but not all of them. It's true. Some of them ran at her, gave her a big hug, and they couldn't figure out what to do next. <laughs> She'll get there. Yeah. Well, you're going to make this table all, all wet with your saliva. Funny, man. Okay. Yes, I uh, will. <laughs> but, yeah, I, it, like the biggest stars of all the biggest factions got uh, their stuff in with mm-hmm. Kagetsu. It was super fun. She got to... Uh, use her mist on people. She got to fire up against people. She got dropped on her head a bunch. Yeah, she did. I don't like uh, Saki Kashima's finisher, which is just like a an elaborate pinning roll up. Mm. But she did drop Kagetsu on her head that time, and I was like, "That's the first time I have liked that finisher." Even though I never want you to see you do that again, Keaton. You cannot touch the microphone. That's the only. That's the only thing about the podcast, buddy. We're forty three episodes into this thing. You should know that. Come on, bud. Okay. There you go. Yeah, and Saki did tease coming off the top rope with uh, <laughs> lots of fun things. So, yeah, she she teased doing Kagetsu's finisher on her, a 450 splash, uh, but then she ran out of time and just couldn't do it. Whoopsie-doosies. <laughs> <laughs> she, used to, she teased it for a full 30 seconds and then ran out of time. Yep. Such Keaton, okay, buddy, I'm going to put you on my lap. Oh! oh. There we go. Those were Kagetsu's words. (laughs) (laughs) And then the opponents kept coming. She's very good at selling. (laughs) (laughs) We we all learned a little bit about selling from that match. Yeah. Uh, Sometimes you just look dead. (laughs) That's enough. Yeah. Uh, And then the match ended as it should with Mayu Iwatani not knowing that the match was over and doing her finisher and then being confused when the ref wouldn't count the, the win. Also ringing the bell for the match, which she did wrong. <laughs> she rang the bell and looked scared that it made a sound. How <laughs> uh, do you not love Mayu? I, like, I didn't know a bell could make that sound, because you're supposed to just hit it from the side, yeah. which makes sense. She just hit it on top. Yeah, she hit the top. First off, she got the mallet out, and I was like, oh, fuck. Is she going to murder Kigetsu <laughs> in her retirement match with a minute yep. uh, to go? And then, no, she took out the bell, and then she rang it, and then she got spooked. 
uh, that it made a sound, and then also ask the ring, the the, the bell ringer, if that counts as opening the match. <laughs> Good job, Bayo. <laughs> Oh, God, she should play a heel, because it would be adorable. Mm-hmm. Be the best. Uh, so, yeah, that was the, the our weeks in wrestling. Uh, or or also Godzilla movies. Start them down. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, let's get into this weekend. It's Well, it's Segment Mania! Segment Mania! Uh, this weekend, NXT held its latest TakeOver uh, event in Portland, NXT TakeOver Portland. Yeah. Yeah. We had, what was it, seven matches? Six matches? It was six matches. Six matches, okay. Yeah, I was thinking the Cruiserweight title was going to be on there, but Same, yeah. uh, it was just the six main uh, matches we're going to get into. Did you see the pre-show? Was there a match on there? I didn't see it. Uh, I did go, I didn't watch the pre-show start to finish. Mm-hmm. Mansoor was a talking head on there, so that. that's yeah. where he is. But uh, there weren't any matches. I okay. skipped through. It was just weird. the uh, promo packages for each of the matches. Okay, that's weird. Because I did watch the first, the last like fifteen minutes of it. I saw Sam Roberts and Man- Sam Roberts and Mansoor like doing their thing and to being talking heads. And it was fine, fine for what it was. Fun, fun to watch the audience just boo Sam Roberts every time he talked. Yeah. Uh, because like we've been to those pre shows. You can't hear what they're saying. Nope. So people were just assuming that when the camera was on him, he was talking, and they just went apeshit. He, I'm like, first off, I find him very annoying. Yeah. So I'm very happy that that happened. But I'm also like, what if they get the wrong idea and make him an on-camera heel? Oh, <laughs> that, yeah. That's, the, that's my worry. Anytime somebody reacts like that. He, yeah, he could become another, like, Mike Adam Lee. But, I mean, oh. he's an on-air, just kind of a wet blanket. So yeah. the booze are earned. Yes, definitely. But, yeah, TakeOver Portland. It's our latest. Uh, we had title matches. We got two women's matches. We got tag teams. But we started off with Mothra versus Godzilla. <laughs> Essentially, yeah. You are so good. Yes, we got uh, Keith Lee versus Dominic Dijakovic for the North American title. Uh, this is the big boys. The the biggest big boys doing hossy things and also super athletic things yes. and high flying things. This is. I was thinking about this in my head. This might have been the best opening takeover match I've ever seen. It's like, it's up there, and like the only competitor might be the Roddy Matt Riddle one that we were at. That's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, those are like the, like, this, in some ways, this was the peak of the show. Yeah. Um, Just watching Keith Lee and Dom Dajakovic, they're like massively big guys, like 300 each, give or take 30 pounds. Yep. And they're just throwing each other at each other. Um, at one point, Tom Dajakovic did a springboard uh, flip from the inside of the ring to the outside of the ring to Keith Lee, who is sitting in a chair between the announce tables, which is an unbelievable, like, small margin of error. Yeah. Like, any, like, half an inch left or right, he would have gone st- his spine straight into the corners of the announce tables. Yep. And probably would have ended his career right there. That was the moment in the match where I was completely sold on Donovan Dijakovic yeah. as a star. Yes. Because that's it. He had one shot to get it right he totally mm. did physically i i'm at the point now where i'm like he can do anything yeah um like early in his career when nxt i think it was uh nigel was talking of, of like a six tool athlete or whatever the term is in baseball mm. this guy he can strike really hard mm. he can lift he can high fly there is nothing he can't do yes in the ring he's amazing he just needs like a character yeah to like hook people in but for like pure ring work shit he's Amazing, yeah, amazing, and this was like a perfect like coming out for him. It, like, he's got to be top three, top like, if, like 
top three, top five big men in the fucking world. Yeah. Um, which is to say, right next to him is Keith Lee, who's better because he has a more established character. Exactly, yeah. So magnetically charismatic. Mm -hmm. The two of them sold for each other so well. And then no sold at the right points. That's exactly what I was getting to. Of Just yeah. the spirit bomb, Keith Lee, elevated power bomb, Dijakovic over his head, slams him down right on the right point of his upper shoulders. Dijakovic bounces, lands on his feet. Fighting Spiritu! <laughs> yeah, he just starts screaming and holding his neck because his neck is still hurt, but he's pumped up from <laughs> landing on his feet, and he plows him. Ah, uh, such a good match. And then got powerbombed again! <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh! <laughs> um, this was, I mean, it's, I, I was telling Dennis this, I think it's, we do an important service here at the WrestleDown, mm. recapping a show every week, because, you know, sometimes people can't watch those, or sometimes they're like my girlfriend, and they get very high and fall asleep uh, midway through the first match. Yes. So, um, I, one of the comments she had, uh, what did, oh, did, Dominic Dijakovic do... Oh, he did a top rope Spanish... <laughs> These are two 300-pound dudes doing top rope Spanish flies, which is a, a backflip, basically, uh, holding another person. And, like, this is one of the few things Alyssa said before she nodded off. She was like, what can top that? Yeah. And uh, he went for his... Or Dominic Dijakovic went for his finisher, but couldn't because his back had been too hurt from the rest of the match. And then uh, lost to Keith Lee. And Big was, bang catastrophe. Yes, perfect um perfect ending perfect match so just perfection yeah. there was i think 10 minutes into the match there was a corkscrew moonsault that yep. landed on keith lee mm -hmm. it just everything that they went for almost everything there was like one moment in a part of the match where i think he tried to make keith lee fly yeah where he went for an inverted suplex on the apron and that was the only spot where it was just like okay but everything worked yeah so good yeah and i think that was like just a moment of keith lee being too heavy to lift yeah for any anyone the even. physics of it just being impossible yeah um yeah, great, great match, great opener. Great, um, great, like, uh, after the match moment where um, Lee was celebrating and then he lifted up Dijakovic. Yes. Dijakovic, he just, like, had him do his pose on the corner, which the camera just, like, zooms out of because they wanted to focus on Keith Lee being the winner. Yeah. Um, but we got enough of a, a moment of showing, like, mutual respect between the two of them. Exactly. And so, but just for the live crowd, they get to, like, really celebrate Dijakovic going out insane yeah in, in terms of getting himself and keith lee over just yeah. 10 on 10 match keep eating the food they have over there or what he's sniffing it a lot okay please yeah yep um yeah great stuff and i mean um dijakovic from worcester so like it's good to see a local boy do very well we've seen him a bunch of times and beyond yep and now he's uh, kind of on top of the world in nxt and, and rising one of the the, my favorite local matches for Beyond was um, he fought Kimberly in what was supposed to be her last Beyond match. Yeah. Her last Beyond match. And it was until she left NXT. Right. Yeah. Uh, the two of them, they finished, they fought to a finish, and then JT Dunn um, and Chris Hero came in to basically shit on their goodbye, and then they had a tag team match where yeah. it was Kimberly and uh, Dijakovic against the two of them. And just as good in that match as he was in the, Oh, he's so good. Yeah. He's an amazing amazingly athletic uh, big guy so bright things for his future I'm glad to see Keith Lee keep the title because he just got it um, but I could have gone either way yep so good um, yeah then we got from that to uh, something that was more of a speedy match because it was 
Tegan Knox versus Dakota Kai in a street fight. Yeah, the mean streets of Portland. Yeah, the meanest. Rick Eden, you've never been there. So much flannel. Oh. He jumped on Dennis's lap. <laughs> <laughs> he was so excited for this match, as was I. Uh, whoops. <laughs> they, um... They, yeah, it, this is a feud based on uh, Dakota Kai uh, turning on Tegan Knox back in November at the War Games uh, event. Yep. And since then, they've had a couple matches that have kind of not had decisive endings, basically, um, leading to... Wait. Well, they, they had one one-on-one match yeah. where Tegan Knox just beat her. Oh, yes, straight yeah, up. yeah. But they've had a bunch of, like, encounters one-on-one right. where, like, Tegan yeah. Knox is running and, like, messed her up a bunch or vice versa. Yeah. But yeah, true. They haven't had, like, what feels like a definitive blow-off on, about the issue about the two of them, so a street fight is perfect to kind of heighten the aggression between right, the two. Right, exactly. And this one heightened the aggression greatly. Yes. Uh, Dakota Kai did not... She forewent having a finish of an entrance and just ran straight from stage right and kicked Tegan Knox in the face. Yeah. Uh, during the entrances, and it never let up from there. That's how you should start a street fight. Yeah. We've, I mean, I've read so many criticisms about matches where... The two opponents are just supposed to hate each other's guts, so yeah. why would you go through the theatrics? Why not just get right to the aggression? Yeah, why would you, like, go through the entrances and stand on opposite corners and then, uh, like, have a tie-up and, uh, you know, test of strength and a feeling-out process? This guy fucked your wife. Fucking punch him in the face. Yeah, <laughs> take that to go to Kai. Don't fuck Tegan Knox's <laughs> wife. <laughs> um, her... her her wife, in this case, being her knee. Yes, yeah. Her her her, her knee wife got fucked. <laughs> With <laughs> real, a brace. Yes, real bad. It's very kinky when you put it that way. Oh, man, our metaphors are easy to follow. <laughs> yeah, but this, is, this was a blood feud based on uh, each of them coming back from knee surgeries and one of them getting more positive attention, essentially, yep. and Dakota Kai taking uh, offense to that. And so they fucking brought out the weapons early and fast, and they... <laughs> beat the shit out of each other there were some headshots with uh trash, t- can trash cans yeah trash can lids and it just kept escalating because the co- like until the point where uh tegan knox had dakota kai on a table and had a folding chair folded around her head and she was threatening to jump through the table and basically murder dakota kai yeah until dakota kai got saved by drum roll raquel Duh. gonzalez you all know Raquel Gonzalez. I all know can go to Raquel Gonzalez. <laughs> Keaton knows Raquel Gonzalez. So we don't have to continue on with this part of the pay-per-view. It was a satisfying ending for everybody. <laughs> Two matches in. <laughs> Raquelomania. <laughs> so it was it was a weird ending. Very a much. very, very weird ending. Because uh, Raquel Gonzalez, um, we might we might remember from the Mae Young Classic, where she went as... Reina Gonzalez mm. and uh, has not been seen since. Nope. And then showed up here under a new name. Yeah. She, I think, had been doing a tag team with Rhea Ripley or like yes. house shows with NXT. So mm-hmm. if you're uh, a live event fanatic, you've seen her. Yeah. But yeah, Portland did not know who she was. It was no. It was confusing. It was confusing. I thought she was Sonya Deville when she first stepped on the apron. Yeah. Because I'm just like, oh, who's got like long black hair, or, like straight black hair like that? Uh, it looks kind of like Sonya Deville, but Sonya, did Sonya put on, like, uh, 10 pounds of muscle mass? Since <laughs> Six I last, feet of height. <laughs> last time I, I didn't check. Yep. Uh, why is she here? And then they... Wearing her combat stilts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, 
And then um, Beth Phoenix was on commentary, and she said, hey, it's Raquel Gonzalez. And I was like, ah, that's uh, that's someone I didn't expect because I didn't know that she existed. When it takes the people who know ahead of time what's going to happen a little bit to remember what's going to happen, yeah. yeah. That's star power, BB. I know. It's like it's too bad because I think they could have been handled way better. Yeah. That being said, I still would put this match as one of the best no-DQ oh. WWE women's matches Same. I've ever seen. Same, yeah. Um, there was a one very fun moment where uh, there was either a trash can or a trash can lid just placed over Dakota Kai yeah. outside, propped up against the stairs, I and Tegan Knox ran full speed at her, did an inverted senton, which yeah. for anyone listening, she powerbombed herself. Yeah, she basically did a running forward flip, or no, I guess a, 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 some kind of flip, in, a very complicated flip into a trash can, and even Nigel on the announce team was like, why would she do that? Why wouldn't she just kick it? And then I think uh, Beth Phoenix tried to cover for her, but like, well, she wanted more momentum, and it's like, that's not how momentum really works, I don't think. Nope. All the things that she could have used, her foot, her the back of her thighs, her backside, whatever. Yeah. Just, nope, just the top of her shoulder blades while she necked herself. Yes, yeah, it looked, uh, it was cool looking, but it also didn't make sense. No, it would add no pain. Which is, ex- which kind of is the MO for this, uh, this takeover in some ways. Mm. Uh, we'll get there later. Um, but overall, very good match, uh, weird ending. I'm hoping that this leads to a couple tag team matches between Reyna and Dakota Kai versus, I don't know, uh, Tegan Knox and everybody's friend, Candice LeRae. I'm interested to see what happens with Candice LeRae based on what happens later in the show. That's true, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, we can get to there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, good match, uh, yeah, he said one at the top of the night, we're on a... A uh, fucking hot streak at this point. Yeah. That was the next match, Finn Balor versus... Uh, Johnny Gargano. Johnny, Johnny yeah. Wrestling. Yeah, Johnny Wrestling versus Finn Balor. It's a match that should have happened in November, yep. but Johnny was injured, so they held it off until now. Yeah. Um, yeah. This this is the Finn Balor I feel like I've been waiting for with all of the hype that followed him from New Japan and his mm-hmm. debut in NXT. He's had very good matches. He's had good NXT feuds, he's had some success on the main roster. Yeah, This was the match that made me think, this is the guy that I want to see every week on NXT. Mm-hmm. He was aggressive, he was sharp, he was mean, Yeah, and he beat the shit out of Johnny Gargano. Yeah, I think the meanness is the thing that really makes it, uh, sells his, uh, his character now. Yep. Because like, on the main roster, he didn't have much of a character. He was just Irish guy who smiles a lot. He was the extraordinary man who did extraordinary things. Yes. When they bailed on the demon. Yes, yeah. And even when he was the demon, they, he still had that tagline, and it didn't make much sense. No. And now he doesn't do the demon thing. He just drop kicks you until you are dead. Yeah, he drop kicks you, he stomps you. Mm-hmm. Like, he's the type of dude, because he's always been in such excellent physical shape, that looks like if he wanted to physically menace you, he could. And yeah. this, he was just so vindictive he tore apart johnny gargano's knee yep he drop kicked him as much as he could into as many things as he could Mm -hmm. this ah the prince is here yes and it's and gargano's a perfect opponent for him because Mm. they're roughly the same size so finn's offense is way more believable when he's throwing his full body weight at you like a spear yep and gargano's always great in these nxt matches and some in some ways this was maybe one of the worst matches on the card and it was like, and I mean, that's just to say how strong the card is. Oh, yeah. It's just like, it was a very good match. Kind of a slow start, and then once it ramped up, as they all do with Johnny Gargano's matches. It felt like the pace was 
grueling on purpose to give you just a mm. gritty sense of how much pain that Gargano was going through, which is not to say that Gargano didn't give it back to. He had yeah. awesome spears and DDTs. Yeah, he and did his own uh, running dropkick into the uh, the barricade. Yeah. Uh, throwing Finn Balor into and a little bit over the barricade. Right. And in like excellent character continuity for Gargano, what led to him losing was that Balor just friggin' dropkicked him better. Oh, yeah. Off of a table and into a barricade, and that set up a coup de grace in the finish. Yep, yeah. One thing I like that I noticed that Johnny Gargano does a lot in his matches, and I, he did it, like, three times here, he'll do a move that, like, you know is one of his signature moves, and then he'll get reversed, and then, like, enough stuff will happen where you forget that he went for it, and then he'll nail that move later on. It's, like, a good bit of psychology and yeah. consistency. Like, he went for that running dropkick, like, way early in the match, and then, what was it, like a 20-minute match? So, like, yeah. 17 minutes later, he nails it, gets in the right position again, and does it uh, correctly this time. Yeah. It's kind of cool. My hope is that if even if it's just NXT, like, the blueprint for main roster pay-per-views follows this type of formula where it's not too many matches. Mm-hmm. The matches that you do get have an appropriate amount of time for the story that they want to tell. Yeah. And they're each distinctly different. Like, yeah, at this point, we've had, like, a gangbusters opening title match Haas fight. Mm-hmm. We had a no-DQ women's match based Street on a fight. grudge. Yep. And then we just had what was kind of more of, like, a technically... Yeah grounded brawl yeah it was built yeah. as a dream match which I think is a good thing for the third match on the, the, the right in the middle of the card right so it just it was so good in its own merits probably like on the bottom of the the six yeah like, if not you know five out of six right just because of how good everything else was but the thing that really like stuck with me viscerally after the match was mm-hmm. that Balor pinned him and he pinned him like a dick yeah and then afterwards with his dick yes Literally with his dick. With just his dick on his face. Pulled it out and yeah. just blah, blah, blah. Um, <laughs> the sound it makes. <laughs> his tux. But yeah, he just, he cups Gargano's face in his hands and just puts a finger in it with the other hand and just looks like an absolute asshole. Yeah. And I was like, that's how you fucking heal it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he did the, the coup de gras. I had never really liked his uh, coup de gras yep. uh, finisher because they all, I, not as good as some other double stomps I've seen in my life, but like that one, uh, he went full weight on Johnny Gargano's stomach, and then he did his uh, DDT finisher. The nineteen sixteen, nineteen sixteen. I can't remember. There's too many years. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it could be any year. He just. <laughs> it's usually it's usually a pretty elevated DDT. That's true. But this time he went. Johnny Gargano went directly up like hundred eighty degrees. And going straight down on his head and looked deadly before the finish. I was like, yes, that is the finish of this match. There yeah. it can be no other. That's the finish of any match when it's done right. Yeah. yeah. He looked lethal. Yeah. Fucking perfect. Yep. Um, do you think he took uh, Finn Balor goes after the uh, the NXT title next? or? I thought about that. Because I feel like the momentum would be on his side, but yeah. I feel like Dream would make more sense from a character perspective. I feel like it's Dream and Balor and Cole in like a three-way. That actually, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't really want to see Balor go... Maybe he goes against Keith Lee next. That's true. Um, they do a program there. But yeah, Balor has a ton of momentum and should move on to another meaningful opponent next. Yeah, I think Balor's got too much star power to go down to the... North American title for now, mm. but also it would be heel versus heel if it was Cole and Balor, even though Cole's kind of in the t- middle. Yeah. So yeah, I think the three-way uh, 
pick is probably what's going to happen. But mm. we'll see. We got several months before WrestleMania. Yep, yep. Actually, we don't. We got like one month. We have WWE's equivalent of several months. <laughs> yes, we have what will feel like a few months if we watch enough Raws and Smackdowns. Yep. <laughs> Which is why I don't watch them. Yeah. So what was the next match? Was it a women's match or the... Rhea Ripley versus Bianca Belair. Hell yeah, for the NXT women's title. Bianca Belair looked phenomenal in her gear. Yes, uh, her gear was uh, purple with black history in the making written all over it. Yep. She designs her own gear. Yep. It looked amazing. There was some someone pointed out on Twitter the font was like the same font as the sitcom Martin. Just some very good, like, this is a deep cut a little bit. Yeah. Love just- it. Putting cultural roots into a character who at this point is just like super athletic and believes really strongly in herself and now is just like branching out more as a personality. Yes, she is the embodiment of black excellence in a way. Yep. Love it. And Rhea Ripley is a fucking badass and she is the current champion and she. This was a good match. Yeah. It was aggressive. It was. It, it highlighted so many of the strengths of the two of them, including at one point them just slapping each other as hard as they could in the face. Yes. Yeah. And it, it not looking like WWE's stereotypical, like, oh, cat fight, and mm, not really. It, it, it was hurt. It, it sounded. Yes, it was a, it was tough slapping. It was the like honor slaps from, like, fucking New Japan shit. Yeah. Loved it. And at one point, uh, Bianca Belair did a back body drop on Rhea Ripley that sent Rhea Ripley over the top rope, and she landed on her feet and looked very surprised about it. Yeah. she Well, she landed on her feet, fell down, like, backwards, and then stood up and was like, whoa, what the fuck was that? And I think we all agreed with that. Yeah. I mean, that's what happens when you're young enough and, like, your legs are in good enough shape that you can take literally front flipping out of the ring. Yeah. Yeah. From a, well, that would be, like, a eight-foot drop or something like that. Yep. Yeah, she, like, I mean, it's shocking that she didn't, like, break her ankles or just like her back, like on her on when she fell off, it was yeah, brutal match, but a good, a good match between two people who like have very different styles. Yeah, um, Bianca Belair. It's curious where she kind of goes from here because she had an incredibly strong showing in the Royal Rumble. She looked excellent just in the background of Rhea Ripley and Charlotte Flair's showdown on NXT, mm-hmm. and regularly impresses on NXT in her matches. Yeah, but she's not the champ. I hope they. I hope they add her to the Charlotte versus Rhea Ripley match. That'd be cool. I don't think it's. I don't know if that's where they're going, but it would be really nice. It doesn't seem like it. And hell, if she just popped into like Bailey and Naomi's tilt, which seems yeah. like it would happen, or if she's like a surprise entrant in the elimination chamber, that um, uh, that'd be good. Yeah. Yeah. They have they announced who's going to be in the elimination chamber? Just Shayna. Okay, just Shayna. Yeah. Uh, I think. I thought they had an interview with somebody else who was in the elimination chamber. Maybe like Liv Morgan or. Ruby Ride or something like that. I'm not sure. I th- as far as I know, it's just Shayna, but it could be more. Yeah. Um, it was on Raw last night, and I can't remember. Mm. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, good times. Good match. Uh, yeah, I don't know what they do with Bianca here, because I it, I would be heartbroken if she went to Raw or SmackDown without being NXT Women's Champion for a while, because I think she'd be very fun at it and be very good, and you could book her as being one of those dominant people like Asuka or Shayna Baszler. Yeah. Uh, but she's also lost, like, at least two shots at the title that I can think of. She has. Against um, two different champions. Yep. And she's, I feel like she's so good that she you, she could pop, pop on, like, a random SmackDown and make a run of it. Yep. Um, you know, for almost, like, family love's sake, I would wa- I'd like her to pop up on Raw so her and Montez Ford stick together. Mm, yeah. But I feel like she'd be lost on Raw because 
none of the women are on Raw except for Becky. Yeah, Becky's like the yeah, Becky's the only one who's getting. Uh, Becky has so little competition. They brought someone up from NXT to fight her at yeah. WrestleMania, which is the reality of the thing. Yep, it's too bad. But yeah, I think she could, she could fit anywhere. But I would like her to stay in NXT, and may, maybe she's the person who teams up with Tegan Knox to even those odds. I have no idea. That'd be cool. Yeah. I don't know how you make it work with the characters involved, but you can write anything. You really can. Like, Tegan Knox is kind of a blank slate at this point. She's just a really peppy, like, easy-to-like baby face, but she yeah. doesn't really have a ton of dimension. Right. Um, unless you piss her off, and then she, she'll go apeshit with the weapons. Lady Kane, baby. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. A good match uh, from the what? And good aftermath. Um, so oh, after, right. Yeah. Yeah, so oh, Bianca yeah. just kind of, like, <laughs> disappears into the ether. And from that ether emerges the queen. Yeah. Uh, I should say, she disappears for a bit because Charlotte comes out and beats up Rhea Ripley. That's true. Well, she's not looking. But then, on her way out, Bianca also goes after Charlotte and gets beaten up again. Yep. So Charlotte's just kicking everyone's ass with her NXT yellow nails, which I thought was a very nice touch. Yeah. She's been wearing a lot of NXT colors lately. It's one... Her going to Charlotte going to NXT feels like one of those main roster moves that adds more to NXT. It doesn't subtract anything from anyone. No, and that no. doesn't happen easily. Yeah. So it speaks a hell of a lot to her star power. Ripley looks better for it. Bianca looks better for it. It's going to be a great match at Mania, whether it's just Ripley versus Charlotte or a three way. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it'll be a really good match. Probably overstuffed card. Probably too short. We're probably going to be left wanting more, but it'll be good for whatever they do. Um, and Charlotte's, I mean, out of the last few manias, she's got to be, like, in maybe three out of five best matches on that card for each year, depending. Yep. So, yeah, it's a lot to look forward to. I hope they have Bianca Belair. Uh, Charlotte's doing a great job being a heel, uh, just interloping on NXT. She's a flair. It's what they do. Yep. She's doing a great, great job. And, uh, yeah, so then, tag titles, baby. Mm-hmm. How much fish could Bobby Fish fry if Bobby Fish could play air guitar? <laughs> oh, God. They made up a... Pete Dunne made up a tongue twister. Then Pete Dunne and Matt Riddle made it into a shirt. And they spent, like, five minutes hammering that into our faces. Yep. It was so... It should not have worked. And yet, it was very funny. It's how likable Matt Riddle is. Yeah. He, he's just a big, goofy, stoner murder machine. Yeah. And I, I love that they had a bouncing ball in the form of a fish. fish. Yep, the, there's a fish helping us uh, mouth along to the the, the tongue twister. twister. Yeah. So good. Uh, just the pun on Bobby Fish's name. Uh, I think how much fish could Bobby Fish fish would have been funnier, but that's just me. I like the idea of Riddle getting confused some part of the way through, and then he's like, no, hang on, I'll get it. Yeah. The vignettes for this were delayed. A rare gem in the sense that a pre-tape actually added to a match the WWE was doing without it being a match itself. Yeah. Matt Riddle's schemes to get himself, Pete Dunne, yeah. the trophy, and the golf cart to Portland yep. involved um, them getting pulled over <laughs> and getting his car towed involved stowing away in the boot of Triple H's plane. <laughs> and then the golf cart showed up, and when he was asked about it, Pete Dunne uh, was just incredulous, and he said, don't worry about it. It's what he tells. So good. Like, Matt Riddle, he, he's another guy who's a fucking star. Yeah. Like, he just gets it. He knows, even if 
he like wasn't a wrestler, he'd probably be a very successful YouTuber or something like that. He'd find a way to be entertaining to people. Oh yeah. Um, I think this, and that's probably why this is a better fit for him than the UFC was for mm. sure. Also, because they they only find you for smoking weed instead of kicking you out all the way. Yeah, which oh man, the, just coming into this, him and Pete Dunne as kind of like the the tag team from the Dusty Rhodes classic, where it was just kind of thinking, not really like you get why you stuck them together because they didn't have anything going on at the time, and they yeah. found so much fun chemistry together. I feel like I think my what through. Three of the four Dusty Classic winners have been like thrown together tag teams. Yep. And every time it's been like something new and different and you know interesting. It's advanced a story. I am very interested to see like what happens in the months ahead with the two of them. Does Pete Dunne loosen up? Does Matt Riddle get more serious? Right. I don't see them losing their titles anytime soon. They're just gonna get better together. Yeah. And then eventually, hope you know, eventually they might feud, but maybe not. I yeah. could see them as just being weird friends. Yep. Forever and ever. Which is a lot to say. They win the match. We yes. haven't even talked about the match. Yeah, I know. They just—they have just a fun dynamic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why you can't get away from it? Right. Um, I mean, Bobby Fish continues to do incredible work as like the glue that holds together a lot of matches. Which is yep. not to say like anybody else doesn't have um, good timing or just good execution. But Kyle O'Reilly continues to be incredibly effective as like the striker and submission yep. guy. And there were just several spots during the match that. The Broserweights couldn't get on the same page. They couldn't get their timing right. They yep. couldn't get their offense together as well as the UE, but they just gutted it out and won. A couple times where it looked like uh, the UE actually threw Riddle or Dunn into each other so yep. that they would hit each other away. And you like, that's a thing that is like shorthand in tag team matches that, like, oh, these guys are going to like break up or fight each other. But instead, they won the match. And it was very heartwarming and good to see Matt Riddle get his first, oh no, second NXT gold. Because he was a North America champion, right? Nope. No, he wasn't? Okay, his first gold. Yeah. Fuck yeah. First title for Riddle. Uh, and it's like second for Dunn, right? Well, he was NXT UK champ. Yep. So count it. Yeah, I count it. Yeah. Uh, it's, an, it's an NXT equal to NXT decaf. An NXT equivalent title reign. Yeah. So yeah, this is... Un I mean, you can't go wrong with these tag matches. No. They're like... They're airtight. Yep. Uh, UE's just so good. I mean, there's a reason why they're the three-time tag team champions. You just can't get away from them because you put anyone in the ring with them, and it's an amazing match. Yep. And it helps further the it helped for the the story recently of the UE kind of declining in power mm -hmm. and throw some doubt on the main event of oh man, with Tommaso Ciampa's uh, just vicious energy and momentum, is he going to topple Cole? Yep. The the Red Dragon tandem just lost. So. Yep. So yeah, they lost. Uh, Roddy Strong lost his title a couple weeks ago. Yep. And now he's got to fight Velveteen Dream. Have you seen the... Did you know that Velveteen Dream's only following one person on Twitter? I fucking love it. Yeah. <laughs> the one person that Velveteen Dream is following is... Uh, uh, Roddy Strong's wife, Marina Shafir. That is good. Yeah. It gets more character. problematic out deeper in... The, like Dream's character, the way he's doing it, but like that mm -hmm. one detail is very funny. Okay, he's also doing some shit that's like Marisa Shavir. That sounds like a single lady's name. Like I would, if I had a wife, I would make her like take my name or some shit like that. Like yep. it's not, it's not great. Not airtight. Yeah, but uh, that should be a good match, and it's, it is weird. It's interesting because Dream is doing heel shit when he's nominally the face. Yeah, it's very, it's an odd uh, inversion. So there's a lot going on with the UE. Especially now that they're losing gold left and right. Yep. 
But, I mean, it adds a lot of intrigue to what is essentially going to be a blow-off match tomorrow. It's mm. Velveteen Dream versus Roddy Strong. It, it could have just been a match of, like, you hurt me, you put me out, I'm back, I'm going to get revenge. They're yep. adding more depth to it. Yep. And I think that's going to continue until Dream's challenge, at least challenging for the NXT title. Yep. Even if it's only on NXT Weekly TV, but probably at Mania. Yep. He's, a, he's too big a star. Hell yeah. Both of, both of our girlfriends got into NXT a little bit because of him. Yep. So... There's a crossover appeal there. Absolutely. He's just... Him and his three ring glasses. Like, there's just... He's so easy to gravitate towards. He has so much belief in what he's saying, and all, all of what he's saying is just, like, so sublimely metaphoric and also threatening, but elegant. Ah, he has a lot going on. Yep, exactly. Um, so, yeah. Well, let's talk about the main event. Yep. It was Tommaso Ciampa versus Adam Cole. Baby! Ch Tommaso Ciampa wants his Goldie back. Mm-hmm. That's the NXT title. That's what he calls it. He put it on his knee pad. <laughs> and Keaton? Okay. Keaton's going to take a rest now. Hmm. After messing around with the soundboard. So hopefully the... I mean, in my headphones right now, the audio sounds fine. So we'll see. My buddy, you're just trying to help. Smart man. I hope that he added almost like a Munchkin from Wizard of Oz type of filter, so now we just sound very fun. Oh, I, we're always fun, right, buddy? No, not always. Okay. <laughs> but speaking of very fun, yeah. this match, wholly aggressive. Yeah. I'm kind of un in the middle about it. It's like, maybe it's because the rest of the card was just very, the Academy very pumped up. But at this point, I feel like Adam Cole's main events are very samey in a way. They feel like they do a lot and arguably too much. Yeah. Um, I liked a lot of what they did up to the Undisputed Era interfering. Same, yeah. I and think then, yeah. at that point it was like they're kicking out of finishers all over the place. They're kicking out of super finishers off the top rope. Uh, Undisputed Era is interfering and they're doing shit there. And Tomas Champ was still kicking out like a fucking Terminator. Yep. And then he takes a belt to the head from Johnny Gargano and that is the... The straw that breaks the camel's back. Yeah. NXT main events are a, a strange animal in the sense that you can really only beat the other person when you've proven some kind of point. Mm. It's less like how effective or painful is your finishing move as much as what led to it. Yeah. Because like you said, Tommaso just powered through everything, including at one point four different people attacking him. And yeah. it took a fifth guy who just happened to be Johnny Gargano betraying him with a DIY shirt yep. on and clacking him over the head with what he wanted the most, the title. Mm -hmm. um, I liked at that point in the in that match that it was almost a callback to Adam Cole versus Johnny Gargano in right. uh, Brooklyn, just because, or uh, was that Brooklyn? That was Brooklyn. Yeah. Um, from last year, because Gargano had to do everything that Tommaso did in order to win it. Right. And realize his dream of being champion. And in that moment, I loved it just like, you don't get to have your dream. Mm. You don't get to have what you want because question mark, question mark. Yeah, I think it's because I think it's gonna be because he just lost to Finn Balor and needs to get his groove back in a way. Mm. Which, if that's the reason that they go with narratively, it's so petty yeah. that it helps reinforce how much of a shitbag Gargano is, mm -hmm. and it helps get Tommaso out of the cool face. Yeah mode that he's kind of been in and more to like a genuine he's been like cheated out of things type of face yeah a sympathetic face i am amped to see gargano and Chapa again yep as much as we've seen it like four other times it's like it has they haven't done it in a year thanks to injuries and stuff and we never got the full like climax of that story 
it, and they haven't done it with this dynamic yet. Yep. I mean, they could do another trilogy. Who knows if they will? But we haven't gotten them with their alignments flipped. Right. And with us wanting to see Gargano get beaten up. Yep, exactly. So we will see how that plays out. But I think overall, the match just kind of felt like... It felt like a PWG match, yeah. in a way, just because like, it was just a lot of everything, just going maximum. And I mean, it's not... I don't think it's Adam Cole's fault, but I do think that all of his main event matches have been uh, patterned this way. Yeah. In a way. Yep. Especially after three against Gargano, who is a very similar style to Ciampa in some ways, and also they play off each other when even they're not in the same match together. Yep. So, yeah. But a very good end to a very good NXT, still. Absolutely. Um, a twist I didn't see coming. I, yep. I was questioning if they were going to pull the trigger on Ciampa because mm-hmm. um, I figured, all right, just put him in Balor next and that'll be very good. Mm-hmm. But then what do you do with Adam Cole? And now you don't know. It's not a question I even have to ask. It's just Adam Cole going into Mania, baby. Yep. I was like, I was pretty convinced they wouldn't have the Undisputed Era lose all of their gold in the same night or like two thirds of the gold in the same night. Mm. But uh, so I was pretty sure about that. But at the end, I was I thought Ciampa might just pull it off. Uh, they did a good job getting me to think that at least mm. uh, at first I thought when Gargano pulled the title away from Ciampa I thought he was going to be like no you got to beat him fair and honorably and then he no he beat him in the head with it and then that was the end of the match the last of um, at least at the moment pure baby faces has been corrupted again yes we are resetting the board yep everybody I mean he Gargano had that moment where he was a tweener a little bit yeah but yeah so we're, we'll see it's interesting because he was wearing uh, his gear. This pay per view was ma- patterned after Carnage. Yep. Um, which is a bad guy. Yep. And it's a good. It's foreshadowing. He was also playing into uh, the Demon Finn Balor's, uh, you know, previous mystique. Yes, his previous gimmick. So it worked on multiple levels. He's very good at that kind. Of, he's very good at all of this, frankly. Mm. Yeah. You know what also works on multiple levels. What mystique. She's an X-Men. <laughs> okay, Keaton. You're welcome, listeners. Yes, she can be anybody. Yeah. Just like Candice LeRae. <laughs> <laughs> who, yeah. who is Candice LeRae? But just the person who's the friend of whoever needs a friend right now in NXT. Exactly. Like, I think that's like, uh, that's a real sticking point to me because she's so good. Um, but like, she was... She came into NXT as basically Johnny Gargano's wife. Yep. And then she was Io Shirai's friend. Yep. Then she was... I feel like she was somebody else's friend at some point. She's been Mia Yim's friend off and on. Mia Yim's friend. I think she helped out uh, Tegan Knox during one of the Dakota Kai matches. Yep. Uh, yeah, she's just everybody's friend. Mm-hmm. And that's very nice, but I kind of wish she had her own identity right now. I mean... It... Maybe she will now that Johnny Gargano's a heel. Exactly. It's it's a point in time where Rhea Ripley needs challengers more than uh, the women's... Di- women's division doesn't have a ton of depth of heels at the moment just because Shane is kind of moving on up. That's true, yeah. So it's Bianca who just got put down, and then Dakota Kai, really, is doing a thing with Raquel Gonzalez. Yes, uh, the Thanos of NXT. <laughs> she was inevitable. <laughs> just after that May Young Classic, man, every week I was like, where is Reina Gonzalez? Collecting and, the Infinity Stones. <laughs> and I'm still wondering uh, because now we've got this Raquel Gonzalez person. <laughs> what if the Undisputed Era were the Dark Order <laughs> or the Black Order? <laughs> and they sent Kathy Kelly away? Yes. <laughs> 
Uh, for those who don't know, Kathy Kelly was a backstage interviewer who was beloved by fans, and she uh, quit WWE after this pay-per-view. Just, I guess she wants to move on to bigger things because you can't stand two feet below wrestlers and ask, what do you think of that match that just happened uh, every week and make that a career yep. for too long before you get sick of it. So it makes sense. But yeah, she got to be an Undisputed Era member uh, <laughs> on her last night uh, on the website. And for as long as uh, Wikipedia keeps it on there, she's the fifth member. I hope nobody ever changes that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, that was the NXT TakeOver Portland. Uh, overall thoughts? 12 out of 10. So fucking good. <laughs> I would go less than that, but it's still another TakeOver. I would put my combines within the numerical system. <laughs> I cannot be contained. Dennis is the Infinity Stones. I am the Alpha. I am the Kenny Omega. <laughs> we'll figure out. Uh, yeah, we never talked about what we want to do next week, but we'll figure it out. We will. Yeah, I'm moving, so we'll see how <laughs> we'll see how that schedule goes. But I think I'll be free on Tuesday to record this, and we'll see how editing goes. Maybe I'll have Keaton do it now that he's doing sound engineering apparently (laughs) were you scared (laughs) i'm sorry bud keaton was scared of a sound (laughs) despite the fact that all he did this uh podcast was mess with our sounds so yeah this has been the wrestle down Uh, i'm jared palapal twitter.com swing dingling i'm dennis bruno at dbruno42 on the instagram at since he did ab on twitter and keaton is keaton fuzzy on instagram but he doesn't know it don't tell him uh, <laughs> <laughs> this has been the wrestle down. Thanks for listening up. Mm-hmm.